Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. I did it with Hurts, eating, first down, and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by BetOnline.ag, the best sports betting website around. Remember, promo code believe B-L-E-A-V, to get 50% off match your initial deposit. Week one is eight days away. Hurry up, head over there right now. Promo code believe what you put in there, you'll get 50% matching bonus. Co-host Connor Miles, my co-host Ed Crass, as always, and Ed we were we talked about it a little bit off air, but I want to like just go right back into it now because it's a good discussion. I think with these practice squad elevations that the NFL implemented, I don't know if I mean I, I don't really pay attention that well to other teams' practice squads, so this could be shame on me. But I don't know if there's a team right now that utilizes these elevations from practice squads with guys that they know. Hey, Britton Covey is a punt returner for us. He was productive, but if we put him on waivers. No team's going to pick him up because they don't want to give him that fifth or sixth wide receiver spot on their roster when they have other guys in place already. Let's put him on waivers. We'll get him to the practice squad. We'll elevate him on game day. We'll reevaluate where we are in like three weeks. And then the same thing with Sipos and, and so on and so forth. So because you look at Eli Ricks and he made a lot of headlines. I know you and I talked about because it, it, it ended up being Eli Ricks that beat up Mikai Gardner and I was wrong. And, and so it seems like the Eagles thought, hey, we cannot afford to let E.I. Ricks get out there with all the notoriety he's getting into his name. Some team's going to put a claim in on him. I know we're deep at cornerback right now. Let's keep him and let's sacrifice a Britton Cubby who we know we can elevate. Let's sacrifice the Sipos who we know we can elevate. It's not going to get claimed in the case we can't get a new punter. But that's just hypotheticals I'm talking about. I just thought, there. I, I can't believe how well the, Howie and Nick really utilized this practice squad of elevations and keeping guys on the roster that they know that will get claimed on waivers. And reevaluate, reevaluate where you are in three weeks from now. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, the the genesis of this elevation from the practice squad and expanded practice squads. You can keep sixteen players. That's a it used to be ten, somewhere around that number. And then COVID hit, the pandemic hit, so they wanted to, you know, have more. Uh, the NFL wanted to have more players on rosters just in case, you know, someone tested positive and they needed to be deactive at the last minute. Uh, you could bring up someone from the practice squad. So it was a a good idea, I guess, that the NFL kept it in place. So it's still pretty new, though, uh, when teams do their rosters. is It's not just the 53 anymore. It's really your 69 players that you're going to keep. And that's how they view the roster. It's a whole different way of looking at cut down day now. Um, each player on the practice squad is allowed to be elevated three times through the course of a season. And at that point, if they'll have to be added to the 53 man roster or they'll have to be cut because they would be out of elevations. Um, and then you're only allowed to elevate two players or I'm sorry. Yeah. You're only allowed to elevate two players per game. Okay. So one player, each player gets three elevations a season, but each game, a team can only elevate two players. If that makes sense. 
Um, so really it's, it's, it's kicking the can down the road, something Howie Roseman is very good at with his contract negotiations. And now we're seeing it with, you know, the roster protections. He's kicking the can down the road. Like you said, Aaron Sippus was cut and, you know, other teams can claim him, but then they have to put him on the 53 man roster. And, you know, as an organization, you have your ear to the grind, you know, your ear to the you know, to the door, whatever you want to say, you, you you have the pulse of what's going on. You know, if there's another team out there that is interested in claiming one of your guys. All right. So they felt comfortable cutting him and bringing him back to the practice squad. And looks like he'll probably be your punter slash holder uh, when the season opens next week in New England against the Patriots. Uh, and the same with Britton Covey. Um, you know, we saw uh, Alameda Zacchaeus get some work as a punt returner in camp and through the preseason games. But it will probably be Britton Covey that gets elevated and Aaron Sippus. Now, you know, if they want to go a different direction, doesn't have to be Covey because, like I said, Zacchaeus has got that work. So maybe elevate somebody else, um, you know, for the first game. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's a different way of shaping your roster now because of these elevations. And, again, like I said, you only get three times as a player to get elevated and then you have to make a decision. But three games gets you through the Monday nighter in Tampa. Uh, you know, and, and you turn the page in October before you might have to make a decision on Aaron Sippus. And by then, maybe there's an injury that happens. You have to IR somebody uh, and then you activate your punter or whoever you think you would want to activate at that time. So uh, it's it's very interesting, these practice squad elevations anymore. I think it's just uh, that's uh, that's like the one positive from COVID on the NFL is bringing in this implementing this rule because it's so yeah. like you just said, it's 69 guys. It's incredibly smart, and I, I think Howie is doing a masterful job. And again, like I said, I'm not paying attention to what everybody else does around the league. I'm sure they're trying the same kind of method, but uh, I love it because, like I said, you wave at Eli Ricks, he's probably going to get claimed. He had a lot of notoriety to his name during the preseason. You wave uh, the seventh-round pick, because I'm not going to lie, you're pronouncing names perfectly. It's like, hey, it's like pronouncing his name, like extra bounty points on that. The seventh round pick from the Texas that the Eagles got, he would have got claimed. He was a good player this preseason. Moro, I think it's Moro Ojomo. Moro Ojomo. All right. Thank you. Moro I needed Ojomo. help with that. But yeah. he's a great player. He would have got claimed. And then I I read into what John McMullen was saying. Marlo T, like there's there's players on this Eagles team, like Patrick Johnson, Marlon T, that what the outside opinion of them is not what inside believes. And he's right about that because they keep in them year in and year out. Clearly, if they feel this way, a Super Bowl roster feels this way about these players. Why wouldn't other teams that are looking to, especially look look what the Cardinals are doing, Jonathan Gannon? Every time it seems like an Eagles player gets cut, like I know he ended up cutting Andre Tashera, but he brought him in anyways during training camp to teach these guys what they were doing in Philly last year. Now he picked up Kayvon Wallace at the Eagles, let go. So these guys are really watching, and there's players on this team that if the Eagles waived would have got claimed, and they knew that. And were they were in the inside the organization? I mean, I'm excuse me, outside the organization. Fans are like, why are we keeping him? Why do we have these many defensive tackles? Marlon T doesn't really make an impact, you would think, or Patrick Johnson when we have all these these edge rushers. But that's not really the case. The Eagles view these guys on a higher priority than that, and I, I if they do, so so does the league. So yeah, that's that's why I think the fear is losing those guys when you know you're not going to lose a Sipos or a Covey or Devin Allen or. So on and so forth. Makai Gardner, clearly, because he's on the practice squad. Mm -hmm. But I like it. I like how they do it. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, they obviously value the defensive line. They kept 13 players on the defensive line, seven defensive tackles, which is probably two too many. And they kept six edge rushers, including Derek Barnett, who had come out a day or so before cutdown day and was exploring a trade. At least that's what his agent said, that he wanted to be traded because he just doesn't see his client getting enough reps with the defensive line so deep like the Eagles have. But you know, Howie's like, listen, we, you know, we got into a little bit of a bind last year after Barnett got hurt. They had to sign two defensive tackles when Jordan Davis got hurt. Then they had to uh, they they traded for Robert Quinn. They gave up a fourth round pick for him to try to cover that hole on the edge when Barnett was out. Uh, so, you know, he said, listen, we're, we're going to go heavy there. And even though you'll probably see some game day in action, in act, in activations from guys like, you know, probably a Jomo will be inactive. You know, uh, maybe a Contavious Street. I, I'm not sure, but you can't go into a game with seven defensive tackles. There's just not enough room for that. So, you know, they'll deactivate guys and they're hedging their bets that if something were to happen, then hey, we have some depth. But clearly, that's where they like to invest their, you know, their their resources. So they love Patrick Johnson, like you mentioned. There are players uh, that they like that the fans don't, you know, really see that. Um, but, you know, we're there all the time and we see that, you know, they like them. We talk to other people and yeah, like Justin Evans is one. The Eagles kept him as a safety, cut Kayvon Wallace, a guy that had a pretty decent camp. Um, but, you know, the handwriting was kind of on the wall with Kayvon when he played practically the entire preseason finale against the Colts. Uh, and then Jonathan Gannon knows Wallace well. He was there to swoop in just like he signed Kaiser White. You know, when he was let go at the end of the season and like you mentioned, Andre Chachere, who who was released. But, you know, he was a guy that the Eagles and when Gannon was with the Eagles was familiar with. And we saw it with Steichen, you know, when the Eagles cut Josh Sills, a player I'm sure they would have loved to have gotten onto their practice squad. Shane Steichen knows Josh Sills from last year. And even though he had some legal issues um, that he was able to get cleared of. To me, Sills can start in this league. I know he struggled the final game, but, you know, he's a guy that can project as a starter. And Steichen saw him was like, hey, we'll take him. You know, I remember Sills, Navy Sills, as, you know, some people call him his nickname. But, you know, so Steichen, you know, grabbed him as well. So, yeah, you have to be careful who you cut because, like you said, Eli Ricks, somebody I'm sure would have grabbed him. Mario Goodrich, another kid that was an undrafted free agent last year out of Clemson. Didn't make the roster, but was unheralded. So they stashed him on the practice squad. And to his credit, he got better and better through the course of being on the practice squad, running scout team as a safety nickelback cornerback. And now he's on the 53. So, uh, you know, you cut these guys at your own risk. You're going to lose guys. And and they did. You know, Tyree Jackson was claimed by the Giants. He went up the turnpike uh, to the, you know, to the Giants on their practice squad. But you know, the Eagles ended up with a great trade. I mean, we could talk about that trade, the trade for the Denver Broncos tight end. Bring that up now. Yeah, we could bring it up now because I was going to say, yeah, it seems like, and I love when the Eagles do this. I love when Hallie Roseman does this because you're right. He thinks ahead of time, and it's so important that he does because I'm telling you, Ed, Dallas Goddard is not playing the whole entire season. It's just not going to happen. He's going to get some kind of banged up injury where he misses games. But you always had that safety net with Zach Ertz. The first year that you saw that you didn't have that safety net and you had unheralded guys at backup position, the tight ends were invisible and got it was out. That was completely out of the game plan. So I like bringing Alberto and do that. The fact that he's the athlete guy, like Goddard, he's not even close to the blocker. But I mean, again, you gave up minimal, you swapped picks, I mean, swapped rounds basically and got this athletic tight end that I think at least will do something in the passing game if Goddard goes down. So I like that move thinking long term just in case because. 
I'm telling you, I don't. They're not going to keep four tight ends. Stoll found his way on this roster over Kakatera, in my opinion, because of his blocking ability. So eventually, that's going to pan out where they release one of these tight ends, and maybe that answers the question to when they get a punter or when they get a, a fifth wide receiver on this team or so on and so forth. You understand what I'm saying there? But yeah. I, I think that Albert trade, I like that a lot. Yeah, but again, it comes to kicking the roster down the road, and you do that with your tight ends. You can keep four. You can keep them. You don't have to keep them all active, obviously, on game day. You might inactivate two of them or, or one. I, I would be surprised if Albert O is active in New England. I mean, he just got here. What does he know about the offense? I mean, he, he could be a game day inactive for a week or two. And then, again – the NFL, with how violent a sport it is, you could have injuries. So, you know, it's a week-to-week deal. Like, you know, you keep four. You don't have to keep them all active. But uh, you have these practice squad elevations. You don't have to cut anybody or sit anybody down when you elevate somebody. So, yeah, it makes sense. If you like him, uh, maybe he plays that blocking role that Zach Pascal had last year in the run game. Uh, you know, uh, he's not really the blocker that Pascal was, but he's a big guy, 6'5". You know, 260, he can run. Uh, his blocking could improve, uh, you know, under, uh, you know, the, the Eagles coaching staff. And, you know, maybe that's the role for him initially. And then you throw him the ball. But him and Goddard on the field at the same time, to me, uh, is just another thing you have to pay attention to if you're throwing the ball. Now look at your weapons. You have Devontae, you have AJ, you have, you know, maybe Swift out of the backfield. And now you have these two tight ends that, who are they going to throw to if you go to the tight ends? They could go to either one now. Whereas Stoll wasn't the receiving threat. Calcaterra could catch the ball, but he wasn't really a blocker. So, uh, you know, to me, they'll keep four for as long as they can. And, you know, because I know they like all four. They love Stoll. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But they can keep all four for sure. Uh, again, you can keep them around for as long as you, you feel you can. Um because it doesn't hurt you because you have these practice squad elevations. And I'll tell you what, this Brady Russell kid, they kept on the practice squad or they brought back to the practice squad, a, a, an undrafted free agent. Now his uncle works in the personnel department with the Eagles. So you think, okay, maybe that was a favor, but th- I thought he did pretty well. And I thought he was pretty good on special teams. So, you know, he's another kid, you know, maybe they bring him up for uh, one of the elevations at some point, but the Eagles are pretty well set at tight end. I like what they have at that position, especially after this trade, and you, you mentioned my pronunciation, I'm not even going to begin to pronounce Albert O's last name, let alone spell it. I mean, he's a copy and paste guy. When you're writing about him, it's like you better have that name spelled right, and then you just paste it wherever you use it because, you know, it's a it's a eye chart, his last name, with like 11 or 12 letters and consonants where, where they shouldn't be. You know, it's just crazy to, uh, you know, figure out how to say it and spell it. But, you know, I think he's going to be around for a while. I agree. I, I I like that little analyst on him right there because I think I think you're right. I think twelve personnel is going to make a comeback this year, and then who are you going to throw it to? It's just a matchup nightmare. I yeah. completely agree with you there as well. Uh, I, I thought what also was interesting is what do you? What, there's always like these little rumors and reports. I never bought into them. I thought they were funny to be honest with you, but some people did that. Trey Sermon was going to beat out Rashad Penny. Like I I I just did not see that happening at all. No, I thought I thought that Penny. I wasn't sure Penny would even make the team. To be honest, I thought they wow, might be okay. backs. But again, I wasn't really factoring in the practice squad stuff. Like I kept the punter. Like when I do my final fifty-three next year, if I'm still doing this, then yeah, I I'm going to take that into account because I did. I thought they would have to cut a running back to keep like an Eli Ricks or a Mario Goodrich or even a Mackay Garner 
on the team, not thinking, okay, they're going to cut Covey because they can activate him and they're going to cut Sipas because then they can elevate him. Um, so yeah, it makes sense that Penny was the guy. Sermon actually had an injury, so they waived him with an injury settlement. So, you know, he can't come back until the season's like almost halfway through if they were to bring him back. And I don't know why they would, but, um, you know, he's a guy that is on IR with the Eagles. Now you could reach an injury settlement and then another team can claim him after a certain point. But yeah, he suffered some injury. I'm not sure what it was exactly. It might have been an ankle. Did he revert to the IR? Uh, yeah, I think he, I think he did. I think he's on the IR, but again, you can, you can reach an injury settlement with him if you want right. to, um, because when you're on the IR, remember, you can't even be around the team, which everybody's like, oh, that's cool. He's on IR. You can stash him, but you're not allowed to be around the team. So you're not really mixing around with the guys or learning parts of the offense or, or you yeah, know. I don't, I don't, I think it's kind of the end of the road. I'm agreeing with you with that. I think yeah, it's the end of the road with him. I think there's a good chance of that. Yeah, for sure. Now, you, you never know. Again, it's a, a long season and, you know, the nature of the running back position, it's not as valued. So I don't know if anybody would claim him at some point when he's ready to return. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, the Eagles are smart. They know what they're doing. They know that, you know, they don't have to make a decision on him because he's injured. And again, it's kicking the can down the road at some point, you know, see where he ends up. See, maybe he's back on the roster at some point this year. I mean, again, it's, we're sitting here the first of all or September, the second of September. Right. This is a long, this is a long season. It's a marathon. Um, and the more players you have on speed dial, the better off you are in the long run. I, uh, I thought it was interesting as well that it looks like, I mean, I know they read Josh Shills like you just mentioned, but uh, I really, they're really taking the interior line seriously. Uh, Tyree Phillips, I thought was an interesting addition too, because that's a guy you want to give the style in with his size. Uh, to play the inside. I mean, again, he has the versatility to play outside and inside, but I, I like it. I mean, you know, they really do target when they went out and got Brandon Brooks. That was there's a reason he he fit the prototype. When they went out and drafted Landon Dickerson, there's a reason he fit the Jeff Sutherland prototype. Uh, even back of Evan Mathis when he was back here when he first started with uh Jeff Stoutland in 2013 was becoming an all pro guard. He fit a prototype. Like they like these big guards, so. I know they have Tyler Steen, who you would imagine is your future right guard no matter what, but it, I like the insurance that the Eagles keep adding to the practice squad and the roster too as well because uh, I know fans don't might not think high of him. I don't really personally think high of him too, but Suo Pet is sticking around for a reason, and he's making an impression on Jeff Stoutland enough to stick around this long for a reason too. So uh, there's guys on this team that, and again, he fits the prototype too with his size. Uh, I like I like where they're going with the interior just in case, hey, maybe if Steen doesn't work out or maybe if tackles more his future, we got some more interior insurance on, on the way. Because Cam Jurgens, I still think the plans are for future center. I'm sure you agree with that yeah. no matter yeah, what. Sure. Yeah, well, I agree. Yeah, he's he's Kelsey's uh, Kelsey's t uh, relief when Kelsey retires. But, yeah, and, you know, that Tyree Phillips, the Eagles haven't made anything official on that. I'm assuming that he's – you know, going to be added, but they were, their, their practice squad was filled the day before they reportedly signed Tyree Phillips. And I haven't seen any moves where they've cut anybody from the practice squad. So um, I'm not sure that's official yet, but it looks good that they could add him, but then they have to make a move. And, 
you know, I was surprised when you talk about the practice squad, they bought, brought back LaRaven Clark, a guy that they had brought yeah. in a couple of years ago uh, to the practice squad and, you know, had was coming off a torn ACL. So he wasn't himself, but, you know, he's a guy that might be able to provide depth again, long season. Maybe he's an elevation at some point. Um, and, and uh, Julian Good Jones was also brought, brought back to the practice squad. So, you know, he's another guy. Um, but again, you know, if you have to add these guys to be starters at any point in the season, cause you lost Jurgens or Dickerson or, you know, Lane Johnson, I mean, it's, it's trouble, you know, it's nice to have that depth. It's nice to get these guys indoctrinated in your system, Jeff Stoutland's teaching and whatnot. But, you know, again, you can't, if you have to count on these guys, um, you're probably in a bad situation. Um, but, but, you know, they're, they're battle tested. Phillips played you know, made a few starts with the Giants, did well, He's 6'5", 330, good size, could play guard if Jurgens stumbles a little bit. You know, Jurgens isn't 6'5", 330. <laughs> you know, that's kind of one of the knocks. He's a little undersized but strong as as a bull. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see if Phillips is definitely the guy. And then Sua Peta, I mean, that guy, you forget, he was an undrafted free agent all the way back in 2019. So, you know, there's a lot that the Eagles like about this guy to keep him around for four years now as an undrafted player. Um, and, and he just keeps showing up and the Eagles keep liking what he's doing. And here he is part of the 53 man roster once again. Yep. I like it. So the, I, I wanted to touch on just real quick with you, the safety position too. I know we brought it up earlier with Kevon Wallace, but what have you seen anything from Justin Evans? Like during training camp to think like, yeah, they, I understand. I mean, I know this is a whole new defensive coordinator, and I understand letting Kayvon Wallace was part of the Jim Schwartz era. So I understand trying to get the the fresh minds in that work with your system a little bit better. I get it. But it looked like Kayvon was, I know, and again, you're right. He played the whole entire Colts game. But it looked like he was improving, at least turning the tides. Um, what have you seen from Justin Evans when you when you're there to think make you think, yeah, I, I can understand what they're doing there? Because I know he replaced Chauncey, and I, we mentioned this on the last episode, he replaced Chauncey Gardner-Johnson with the Saints and played his role uh, primarily, and and he did fairly well too doing so. But is that really what they see with him? The versatility that's important. Uh, yeah, I, you know, listen, they they he really kind of came on, uh, you know, as camp went on, um, as he became a little more familiar with the defense. Um, he was a one-year free agent signing. I think he was a second-round pick. You know, when he, yeah, he was in Tampa, play. it was just injuries. Yeah. So injuries. So, you know, I like what I've seen from him in camp and he played a little in the preseason in far, as far as the run game goes, like he can come up to the line and, you know, maybe that's what they like about him is maybe they feel comfortable with him in a big nickel type defense. I know that's where Terrell Edmonds sometimes shows up is at that second level at linebacker in that look, maybe they like Evans. He's a strong kid. Um, but there was clearly something they liked about him to keep him over Kayvon Wallace. And, you know, maybe it's just the they feel like, you know what, he's he's still working his way back from injury and we like what we've seen and got the pedigree, former second round picks, got the experience. Uh, it's a young room, obviously. Reed Blankenship only in his second year, um, you know, Sidney Brown being a rookie. So, you know, maybe they like that veteran voice. Uh, you know, maybe that's what they like about Evans over Wallace. But uh there's something they like. And I, I got to be honest, I think he's going to see some time. I mean, I don't know who's going to start opposite Blankenship in the opener. I mean, I'm not sure the Eagles even though at this point. And here we are a week out. 
Um, it could be Evans. It would it wouldn't surprise me if it's Edmonds or Evans. Um, and and maybe and everybody thinks Edmonds and it could be him, but it would not surprise me if they line up Sunday afternoon in New England against Mac Jones and company with Justin Evans lined up next to Reed Blankenship. That would be interesting development right there. But yeah. I, I would I mean, no matter what, your safeties, if your top four safeties, at least in this day and age of football, especially with this uh just nickel defense, are gonna be seeing time on the field. And especially with all the, you know, they don't really have I know Mario Goodrich is it seems like he's going to be the backup nickel, but did they really have a true backup nickel? I don't think so. So, and Justin no. Evans has experience there at least. So I get it. I fully get it. I just wanted to get your opinion on that for the show. And then last to lead it off, let's just discuss the linebacker. Cause you, you, you hit on it. Nicholas Morrow was released, but he's a vested veteran. So, I mean, they could bring him back too, as well. That could be the one move you're thinking of is like, you know, the linebacker room is a little thin right now. They primarily only play two anyways, but maybe that's the guy they end up bringing back. Uh, but what do you think about that, though? I mean, the line, I mean, Zach Cunningham, though, hats off to him coming in like the last two weeks before, uh, excuse me, like right when the preseason started, basically, he comes in and then wins the starting job right off the bat. His pedigree, the second round pick, he's had great times with the Texans and the great times with the uh, Titans. Maybe he, the Eagles can squeeze one year out of him. I don't think it's going to be that hard to at least get close to what Kaiser Wake was uh, out of Zach Cunningham, knowing the player that he was. I mean, he was a great player coming out of Vanderbilt. So. We'll see. They're so thin there. <laughs> they are. They really three are. Guys, three linebackers they kept, which what if somebody gets hurt? I mean, what are you, what are you doing there? I mean. Uh, They're not done there yet. They can't be. Well, I, I wouldn't think so. Um, but they've so devalued that position. You wonder if they would use Edmonds as a linebacker or Evans as a linebacker or just line up with two linebackers and, you know, play you know five dbs i mean it's just to me it's it's mind-boggling that they only have these three well, lines plus the one on the practice squad the ben van zoomerin yeah. I, I probably butchered his last name but that's not somebody you call up and play if a starter gets hurt either he's a spe- good special teamer um and you know maybe it's maybe he's one of the practice squad elevations i mean we just don't know and i'm not sure the eagles really know like i said um how this whole thing's going to look next Sunday in New England. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, there's so many knowns on the offense. We know they have 2000 yard receivers. We know they have a stud tight end. We know they have an MVP caliber quarterback. We know the offensive line is the best in football there, but on the other side of the ball, other than we know they have a very strong defensive line, there are so many unknowns and it starts with the linebacker spot. Like is N'Kobe Dean going to live up to what everybody thinks he is? Are they going to be able to stay healthy enough to go through the season with just three linebackers on the roster? Is Darius Slay going to be able to defy age that, you know, last year he wore down as the season went on 32 years old. Now, what about the back end, the safety position who's starting Blankenship and is Blankenship going to be good enough? I mean, Everybody thinks so. He looked good in a short sample size last year, but there are just so many questions on that defensive side of the football. New play caller. Uh, huh? New play caller, too. It's exactly. Sean the side, new, new D coordinator. I mean, there's just so many unknowns on that side of the ball, whereas you know what the offense is. And to me, you know, the offense is going to have to carry this team. Uh, and we saw them do it in Detroit in the opener last year. They put up 38, but the defense gave up 35. We saw it in Atlanta. The offense put up 31 in the opener down there two years ago. And I, to me, they're going to have to put up 30-plus in the England to win this game on Sun, next Sunday. 
So I, I did want to mention, I do think it's possible this offense can carry the defense until they get it adjusted. I do believe, with looking at the schedule, I do believe that the Eagles can outscore the teams that they start off with for the first month of the season. I do think they can. I truthfully do. I 100% do. I think they can outscore the Vikings. I think they can outscore the Buccaneers. And I think they can outscore um, the Patriots. I do. I don't think the Patriots are going to be able to keep up with them. The Vikings... Say what you will, but that's a primetime game. And Kirk Cousins in primetime games, we know what we get. And I do think the Eagles rattle him. So, And then the Buccaneers, I, that, that offense is not going to be able to outscore the Eagles. I'm sorry. No, not with Baker and what they're going through right now. So at least for almost the first month of the season, yeah, the burden's going to be on the Eagles' back. But I'll tell you what, this, this is what defies great teams. Because This is what defines great teams, excuse me, because the Chiefs went through this transition too where they were trying to make their – a whole new defense after they won the Super Bowl and everything. And the offense had to carry them as well. And this is just what the Eagles are facing right now. And I think they're prepared to you on offense at least. And this is when you're really going to see this year. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to throw this many touchdown passes either or exceed what he did last year. I don't know if these wide receivers are going to exceed what they did last year or, or at least get close to it because I think they really are going to run the ball a lot this year. They're, you don't have these four running backs. So three of them, Look, you're going to expand on what Kenny Gamewell showed you in the postseason. You want to. It's a what have you done for me lately league. What have you done for me lately? Swift and Penny have been injured. Kenny Gamewell led the Eagles in the uh, rushing yards in the postseason. They're going to want to see what they have in Kenny. They're going to want to see what they have in Swift, though, because they gave a fourth-round pick for him, so they're going to give him a good amount of usage. And they're paying Rashad Penny, who, quite frankly, when healthy, is the best running back in the NFL with yards after contact in the perfect O-line situation to be in for that stat. So... I, I honestly think this offense is prepared to and knows that they're going to go through that transition with this defense where they're going to have to carry the team. And that really means dominating the time and possession to do so as well. So I think they're ready for it at least, but don't want to fight. Don't show, I'm going to tell everybody right now. I think Sean Desai has a pass these first couple of months by Eagles fans, no matter what, because they think Jonathan Gannon is such a mess and that he inherited such a Jonathan Gannon mess to fix after the Super Bowl debacle that it's going to take time anyway. So I think he's going to get graced with that period of time. But this linebacker position, whether they bring back Nick Moore or not, is still a glaring hole. And I'm more concerned about safety than I am about linebacker because I think the Eagles can win with mediocre linebacker play. They've done it year in and year out. Uh, I know TJ Edwards was a star last year. and I know Kaiser White was better than what we anticipated. But uh, that defense also really empowers those guys to get to those levels of play. The Eagles didn't invest in those guys for a reason, let them go in the free agent market because they believe what their defensive line can do to empower their linebackers and what the secondary can do to empower their linebackers. But they felt the need to go out last year and say, hey, we're not we're not feeling comfortable at safety. Let's get a Chauncey Garner-Johnson. They haven't done so this year. They're trusting the Justin Evans free agent signing. They're trusting Terrell Evans free agent signing, even though I think he's going to be a hybrid linebacker. I'm sketchy about it. You're asking a lot from Reed Blankenship, and you're asking a lot from Sidney Brown, and that's going to take time. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I think you're right. I think the secondary is going to be a little like, it, again, it doesn't matter how good you are as players in the secondary. It really doesn't. I understand where you're going with the Darius Slay thing, but I'm not worried about him, to be honest with you, because the first half of the season, he is Darius Slay no matter what. And James Bradbury looks like he just found his, his way home, and he's that James Bradbury on the Panthers when he was an elite player at once upon a time ago again. He looks like it. So I'm not worried about that per se, but the communication, the secondary, and the cohesionness and the chemistry is the number one important thing to a successful secondary. And they don't have it right now with the safeties. 
So I think it's going to be a really interesting transition period where you're right, the offense is going to have to carry it. But at least I think this offense is equipped to do so, especially with the running game. Uh, if these guys stay healthy, though, that's a big if. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, at running back, if they get hurt, they do have the depth there. And, they, you know, listen, they ran for 32 rushing touchdowns last year. I mean, that was the most, I think, in their history. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and that even I think that was more than like the nineteen forty something team. I had. think they could exceed that this year, to be honest with you, though. I yeah. I, I really I uh, I don't know. I think Swift is actually gonna make a more impact in receiving touchdowns than he does rushing touchdowns. But if if they could just find a way to keep a shot penny healthy, and I know they're gonna want to maximize on what again, it's a what have you done for me lately league. Kenny Game, well, what did you do for me lately? You came out of nowhere in the postseason and lit it up. So they're gonna want to maximize his opportunities, especially with his con his rookie contract dwindling away. And again, you don't have Swift and Penny long term, and you don't sign running backs anyway. So you're gonna want to see what you have in Gamewell before you make a decision on running back next year. Uh, but then you're also gonna want to wear these guys, Swift and Penny, into the ground because you have them on one year deals. So I wouldn't be surprised if they get 35. I really wouldn't, because they always get the trade and Jalen Hurts as well. I mean, come on, the rush. Well, yeah, Hurts. I mean, when you break down the 32 last year, Hurts had 13, and Miles Sanders had I think 11. That's mm-hmm. 24 of the 32 right there. So. You know, I got to figure Hertz is going to probably run for 10 to 13 again this year. And then, you know, you might have a better distribution. You might not have 11 touchdowns from a penny or a gain well, but I think you'll have six and five and, you know, four. I think it's going to be better distributed um, than it was last year when it was, you know, Hertz and Sanders with over three quarters of the rushing touchdowns. So, um, you know, uh, Eagles are going to put up a lot of points. And like we said, it's got to start next week in New England because this defense, they have to replace the five starters, two linebackers, two safeties, Javon Hargrave. I think they did that with Jalen Carter. He's the mo- I'm most excited for this season to watch Jalen Carter, to be honest. Um, you know, he's going to be a fun watch, but you know, they have to replace five starters. They have to replace a defensive coordinator that was here for two years. It's a lot uh, in a season where they only had 15 open practices, hardly did anything in OTAs. Um, you know, it's going to be a, a work in progress for I don't know how long. You hope they figure it out sooner rather than later, but it's going to take some time. So just to end it real quick, have you heard anything about Nolan Smith? Because the reason why I'm so he was, excited. But... He was Go back ahead. in practice. I mean, he practiced uh, Sunday and Monday. Now, you know, we don't have any access to the Eagles again until Tuesday after Labor Day. So we'll see if he's back out there. But he practiced, so that's a good sign. I'm excited for John Carter. I'm excited for Sidney Brown. But I'm really excited for Nolan Smith because the Eagles have not found that Chris Long pass rush specialist in so long. They keep trying the veteran route, Ryan Kerrigan, Robert Quinn. It failed miserably. Howie said, let's just go ahead and get the young guy to be that Swiss army knife to rush the passer. And I think if you just ask Nolan Smith to do that this year, even though he's fantastic against the run and you minimize because, again, pass rushers have a really tough time transitioning into the league as rookies. You can't really ask the world of them as they adjust into what the NFL offensive linemen are compared to what they are in college. It's a whole different breed. But if you could just use him in that role to be that jack-of-all-trades Swiss Armory Knife pass rush specialist that you had with Chris Long, oh, boy, man. Oh, boy, what can you do for this defense? Like It's just a whole new dimension. So, And you could rush him anywhere on the field, really, with Nolan Smith being that chess piece. So that's yeah. why I'm really excited for him, too, as well. So I'm curious. I Hopefully he holds up as well. Yeah, you know, he's got to get stronger. There's no doubt. You know, he's a little undersized right now. I mean, Lane Johnson just swallows him up when he tries to go against him. But, you know, Lane's one of the best right tackles in the game. But, 
you know, that's going to be the key for him is to get stronger, A, and then B, he's going to have to, you know, have more repertoire uh, of a pass rush. You know, he's going to have to use that speed and cut the corner off the edge. So to me, he's more of a work in progress than Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter is NFL ready day one. I mean, right. he can step in and and dominate. And, you know, no, but Nolan Smith to me needs to be, you know, brought along, I think, slowly, um, you know, because he's on, you know, he needs to get stronger. You, you know, there's no question. You, Everybody compares him to Hassan Reddick. But when you see these two guys up close physically, there's no comparison at all. Hassan Reddick is ripped. He's cut. He's been in the weight room for an NFL weight room for five, six years. Nolan Smith isn't that way yet. You know, I know Georgia's got a great program and they've got the weight room and stuff. But to look at him compared to Reddick, I mean, Reddick's a physical specimen. Smith isn't. And, you know, that's going to come and he's going to get bigger and stronger and, you know, probably more physical and he's going to have to develop more pass rush moves. I'm not down on him by any means, but I think you have to, you know, he's going to take, it's going to be a slow expectations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, early in the season for sure. Um, You know, he's going to be brought along at a comfortable pace. I think, I mean, you don't want to put too much on him. Whereas Carter, man, I'm putting the the, the whole freaking kitchen sink on that guy. I think he can play. I think he should play 50 snaps a game. Um, you know, and we'll see he's how the they best play in the draft. I don't care. Anybody says he was the best player in the draft. Yeah. We'll see how they divide it up. You still have to mind, be mindful of Fletch. Fletch will probably be like, a, he won't play as few snaps as Brandon Graham will, but they'll monitor Fletcher's snaps to keep him fresh. And then Jordan Davis, you're going to, you know, they love Davis. They're going to carve out a big role for him. So he's going to play, you know, 80% of the snaps, I would guess if his conditioning holds up. Um, and then you have Jalen Carter. I mean, he'll he'll fit in there somewhere. You got Milton Williams. You have Contavious Street. You have Marlon T, who I like a lot, and the Eagles do too. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's a lot of reps that need to be divided up properly. Make sure guys are getting the rest, and, and we'll see if Desai can do that on the fly. I think Milton Williams is ready to showcase some of what he can do to this year, and I know they're going to want to use him on pass rushing downs too as well because he's a really good interior rusher. So I agree with you on that. I think I think there's an I think this is a I think they're in a better situation this year than they were last year in defensive tackle room. And it's funny to say that because with Javon Hargrave and Fletcher, where they were, you don't, I mean, you could take Fletcher off the field, but at Javon Hargrave's point in his career, you don't want to take him off the field, especially with the presence he was doing. With Jalen Carter being a rookie and with Jordan Davis still trying to find his way into the league and with Fletcher Cox being at this point in his career on the contract he's on now, you could, you could mix and match and, you know, get more reps from Milton Williams. Now you can find more reps for him and, Four sacks last year on his minimal route. I mean, his minimal snaps anyways. If you double those, or at least, you know, if you double his his snaps last year, Ed, his pass rate snaps, he has eight sacks. So, I mean, we'll see. I think there's some special in there, too, as well. I, I like what they could do from the interior this year, especially with Sean Carter. Like, yeah. how, how could you not? All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. We will be back next week with a new episode. We're going to be breaking down before the week one game with the New England Patriots. I uh, really appreciate it. I the time out. He's going to be on TV too. Ed, you want to tell everybody about that real quick? Cause I'm going to get this episode out immediately. Oh yeah. Uh, well, Sunday night on, um, I guess it's CBS three, uh, the sports zone. It comes on at 1130 PM. Um, Alicia Rogers and I will be, we'll have about an eight minute segment talking Eagles uh, Sunday at 1130 PM channel three. All right. Check that out guys. And again, Believe Podcast. Thank you for having us. Eagles Unfiltered. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. See you guys later.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.